0: On Education's FETC 2020 coverage is sponsored by Fidgets. Fidgets are interactive USB sensors that bring your code to life. There's no soldering or wiring required. Simply plug in a fidget sensor, write code in your favorite language and watch your ideas come alive. Fidgets are used by thousands of STEM professionals globally and are now available for computer science students simply go to bit.ly fidgets on education to get your introductory kit that includes a free sensor worth over $50. That's bit.ly fidgets on education.
1: You talked about intent and you talked about conversations. Yes. Both of those don't change anything. It's the action and it's the work.
2: Alright everybody, welcome to the podcast. We are joined at FETC with Tom Murray. Tom is the Director of Innovation at Future Ready Schools.
1: Good morning, good morning. It's awesome to be with you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely.
2: I was just saying, this has been like the Future Ready month, sort of, because we had Carl at Impact, and then we've had Bree, Brianna Hodges, just like... You're following Brianna Hodges, which is always tough. I know what that's actually like. Well, uh, so. don't,
1: don't hold me to that standard because I have no idea. <laughs> I've never heard of those two. So,
2: so <laughs> tell, um, introduce yourself. Tell everyone a little bit about yourself, your background. Um, I spent.
1: Fifteen years in public schools in Pennsylvania, everything from a teacher at the elementary level, a teacher at the middle school level, principal at the middle school level, principal at the elementary school, the school level, hmm. and then I went over to district office and worked at the district level for a number of years. I obviously couldn't keep a job, so now I work in Washington D.C. So it's like a, a perfect fit, right? So I, I will tell you, I uh, I was never looking to leave the classroom. Um, opportunities came. I was never looking to be in a principal or to look to leave and be in a principal. And opportunities came. Sure. I was never looking to leave district office. And opportunities came. Um, and so now I get to work nationally running future ready schools as director yeah. of innovation, which, uh, which I absolutely love because no matter where I go in the United States or in Canada, wherever the case may be, there's amazing people working hard for kids, which makes my job enjoyable. I, I try and push their thinking, but also support them. Cause what I know about educators is they work insanely hard. They're asked year after year to seemingly do more and more with less and less. Mm-hmm. And if I have an environment that I can help support them, I'm there to do what I can.
0: Yeah. Could you tell us more about just what is the future ready schools? I mean, like sure. What what is that program? What is the.
1: Sure. So for people that are listening, I encourage you to check out future ready.org and okay. first and foremost, they'll say we don't sell anything. I get the question nice. all the time of what's the catch. Yeah. And you know, we are one of the few organizations out there that provide everything that we do for free. Now okay. in the flip side, um, it, it has to be funded in, in different ways. So we have, we have large grant funders that fund a lot of the work that we do. We have a lot of uh, corporate partners that fund the work that we do, but even in that realm, we don't, um, we don't, sell anything that they do by any means. It's really ways for them to give back. It's their foundations and those kinds of things. So when you look at Future Ready, Future Ready is really a culmination of a lot of organizations that are out there. When I worked um, all those years in a school district, one of the things that I was naive was is like how many nonprofits were out there. And I think when I moved, when I got recruited to go to D.C., I was really naive to the point of I thought nonprofits, they all just played well together and Mm -hmm. they must just all just want to help and support people. But just like schools, they're as territorial as can be and kind of that's my space. not your space. And so future ready is really a uh, collaboration of many, many organizations.
0: Yeah. Mm. So
1: if you're a principal, it's NAESP ESP and ASSP, which do incredible work for our principals. We're not there to compete with them. We're there to work with them, support them, collaborate on different things. So being here at the FETC conference, FETC is a partner of ours. Mm. So, you know, here at the, the, the conference, we will do a variety of strands related to everything from librarians to instructional coaches, to leadership oriented. So the leadership strand, myself and Joe Sanfilippo, who's one of our future ready advisors are doing uh, Um, sessions that are really meant for superintendents. So the workshop I did this morning was all superintendents, principals, and higher level admin. And so we'll partner with conferences like that to bring great content, to push thinking, but at the same time to also provide resources. Mm -hmm. We also do a variety of um, events each year. Typically we'll do about six what are called institutes. They are totally free events. Um, Districts just have to get themselves there. And the reason we stand behind that is because we know that if we were to say to everybody, it's going to cost $500 a ticket, kind of like your average conference that's out there, we know which districts would go Mm -hmm. and which districts can't go. 100%. And so core to our work is equity. And so we really, at that core, want to make sure that regardless of where I am, maybe I'm that small, tiny rural district and I am the administrator in that district. I'm that person. Or maybe, you know, I'm that large urban district or whatever the case might be. We don't want equity to get in the way of us helping to support them.
0: I love that. So from
1: everything from events, and we recognize you don't go to something for two days and everything magically changes. We're not naive. Um, But it's a great shot in the arm. It's a great, great kickoff. It's a great way to bring a team together a planning team to vision to plan and then to really set that tone moving forward mm. but we also provide a lot of tools and a lot of resources for instance our future ready has been used by a few thousand school districts um, it is completely free it is a great visioning strategic planning type tool um, endorsed by the US Department of Education for uh, for title IV funding and some of those other types of things and so really it's it's helping them vision helping them plan giving them the resources giving them some experiences but I'll say at the end of the day one of the things we really pride ourselves in is being practitioner driven yes. I'll tell you when I was um, in Pennsylvania in a district level. If somebody said, hey, something from Washington, D.C., I would have laughed and been like, I'm not interested. (laughs) You know. And so it has to be practitioner driven. Mm -hmm. So I referenced Joe Sanfilippo earlier, Joe Sanfilippo and Suzanne Lacey, two amazing award winning superintendents. They run our district leadership strand. And so it's very much grounded in practice. They've done the work. Very much grounded in evidence. It's the people doing the work. It's not your 50,000 foot, never been there, never done it. But I'm going to tell you what to do. Typical Washington, D.C. We want to be the complete antithesis of that. And so so, uh, great events, great resources, great tools without selling anything there wow. is no catch and so um, I think it's why we're now five years in the making and I think you know it's why it's more than just a project or a handful of events. it's why places have been willing to invest in it so we can turn around and support schools.
2: Mm. I mean it can't be underrated how important it is that the people that you have working with you well they, they are some of the best yeah. like yeah. They, that we've seen um, and they've done the work like Brianna. And Carl, like these folks, they they know, and they, especially someone like Carl who has like experienced so many different things can like, he can speak to situations that you're going through and say, okay, well, you know, I've kind of been through this and this is like, that kind of advice is priceless, right? Yeah. And I think
1: it, you know, for us, it's just, it's keeping it real, you know, and you know, it's so easy to stand on some platform, stand on some stage or be at some 50,000 foot level and just say, well, just do this. If you just do that, everything... But if you don't know the day-to-day grind and you don't know how hard people are working and you don't recognize the real roadblocks or the lack of funding or Absolutely. the equity issues that they yeah. face, it's easy to make all these judgments without understanding what it's really like. And yeah. so we want to keep it very much practitioner oriented. And I think that's why people have respected it. I think it's why we've, we feel like we're doing the right work. This isn't a technology first. Sometimes people hear future ready and they initially jump to, this must be about going one-to-one in our districts. And you know technology and leveraging tech is one component of it, sure. but it's not going to be more important than culture. It's not going to be more more important than leadership. It's not going to be more important than pedagogy. And it's how do all those pieces come together? And, you know, the future ready framework is a great tool for that. I ran a wor- workshop for a couple hours this morning and somebody came up afterwards and said, finally, I feel like it's putting all the pieces together. Like mm. they're all things we've talked about, but they almost often seem unrelated or different yes. departments Then they don't, they don't collaborate. So we take a look at things like curriculum instruction assessment or data and privacy or robust infrastructure, or community partnerships, or the use of space and time, or all the different gears of the framework, and then provide resources and tools that really creates this cohesive framework of support to
0: support school and district leaders in the work that they're doing. So very interested in everything that you're actually talking about as a school district. We have a lot of conversations that I feel we're all having these. We all have the best intent. We all want to go ahead and do the best for our students. And yet often we're working in these kind of separated spaces, even at the district level, as far as I'm an instructional coach the director of teaching and learning, director of, uh, of technology, the superintendent, principals within those structures, and everybody has the best intent. But what you're describing basically is a way to go ahead and kind of pull us all in together and kind of formulate a plan to move together towards a common goal with Some sort of direction, too, with it. Well,
1: and if you think of the words that you just used, and I would say it's so paramount in so many districts, you talked about intent and you talked about conversations. Yes. Both of those don't change anything. it's the action and it's the work. Absolutely. And so it's helping people get past. Cause how many times do we sit in a district? And for me, it was whether I was with my colleagues as a teacher, whether I was with my principal colleagues as a principal or over district office in a cabinet level meeting, how many times do we talk about things? And a year later, we're still talking about the yep. same issues. Oh, and goodness. a year later, we're still talking about the same things. Yeah, yes. well, It's the true definition of insanity. It's like, yeah. well, like you've got to create some force that shifts the issues that we're talking about. Yes. So it's meant to be very problem or, um, like it's solution oriented, yes. but recognizing the real problems. It's mm. not coming at it. Like, here's, easy solutions. You know, take a look at something like home access. You know, in the United States, the last, um, the Pew Research Center did something that's about three years old now, but they took a look at and estimated the amount of students in our country that did not have internet access at home. Mm. What they found was that about 5 million of our nation's families. So in the United States, there's about 29, I believe it was 29 million households that had school age children in the United States and 5 million of them did not have the needed connectivity. Now those numbers have probably shifted a little bit in the past couple of years, but if we take something like that, it's not an easy solution just to say, well, just hand every kid a hotspot. Like it sounds great in theory and some places are doing that and that's great Avenue related to it. But what if I'm a district that has 7,000 kids that aren't connected? Well, all of a sudden that becomes a budget buster real quick. So it's taking these real world issues and helping districts to really think through those kinds of things. And then also amplifying the amazing work that's happening. Mm. You know, for every time a district says we can't do that, or that's not possible, there's a district somewhere else that's crushing it in that area. Mm. And so how do you amplify the great stories to help others and give them some hope to show them that they're doing. And this isn't just the wealthy suburban districts saying, look at us and the things we're doing. It's taking those that have traditionally marginalized groups or have very low SES or those kinds of things and showing like, look at the awesome things they're doing as well.
2: Wow. So you just released a book recently, like of all all the things going on, a book just came out too. I did. I did. Congratulations. It's very exciting. Um, I, Personal and authentic. I mean, even the title alone seems to suggest that this is a, this is a a pretty serious book, pretty, um, well, I mean, personal, I I don't know what other word to use. Um, and, and some of the stories even talking off air that you've been telling me are, are pretty incredible. Um, Talk about the book, talk uh, about your thought process in, in writing it, sure, and, uh, and and a little
1: bit about that, I guess. So when I take a look at the book, if anybody's ever seen it, the whole idea, don't judge a book by its cover, but I will say it's often a first impression. And I spend sure. a lot of time, what is it, when I think personal and authentic, when I think about what that really means, what that means to me. But then I thought about what are the key messages in the book that I wanted to get across? And one of the the main themes throughout is not letting educators forget of the impact that they have. You know, mm-hmm. they are continuously running and going and going. I mean, they chose a profession. They can't even go to the bathroom during the day when they need to go. You know what I mean? And yes. if, we, if we took what educators do on a daily basis and then said, hey, we're going to underpay you and overwork you. Who signs up? There's millions of people that sign up to say, I will do it. And yes. because that shows the heart that they have. And so part of it is showing them and reminding them and encouraging them and inspiring them around the impact that they, they don't have to have, they get to have, and Mm. it's a choice that they make every day. So on the cover of the book are two fingerprints and, um, they also personally represent, and I didn't show this in the book at all, but they personally represent my son and my daughter. Mm. That's for me on that end. But when you think about a fingerprint, it's authentic, like no two are the same. When you think about a fingerprint, it's personal in nature. But for me, the analogy being a fingerprint and their fingerprints of impact get to be left on generations to come. I think it's just something when you're in the day-to-day grind, you lose sight of, you know, in those moments that are hard in those moments when you're grading something on a Saturday morning, when you're there till 10 o'clock at night on a Thursday night and you're driving home and you have nothing left for your own kids. When you get Mm -hmm. home, you lose sight of it in those moments, just like I did as a teacher. And so I wanted to be real. I will tell you, I was, I was definitely vulnerable throughout the book. I don't tell one story in the entire book where I did something well, because people to me, when it's just, Hey, look at me and pat myself on the back, (laughs) you know, first of all, that's one of the biggest turnoffs I have Mm -hmm. if I'm seeing somebody on a stage and they're patting themselves on the back the entire time. Like sure. I'm out. Like yeah. I, it's just right. success. Yeah. and it's right. centered around right. you Exactly. And right. so for me, I tell a lot of stories of where my mindset was off. A lot of times where my, you know, I had, it was kind of my way or the highway or times as a principal where I just screwed up a call and <laughs> had to own it and just realize like yeah. what I learned in that, whether it was a observation where my mindset was off or, you know, when I was a teacher and I made a bad call or I, I did get kind of kicked in the butt by a mentor type of thing. Cause people can relate to that people, yes. you know, if they, I think people can relate to humility, but also can say, you know, yeah, I've, I've kind of been there too. I've been that person that's been negative in the faculty room. I've been that person. And so I just wanted to be real, but I also wanted it to be a different type of book. Mm. What's interesting. So my last book that I wrote with Eric Sheninger is learning transformed. And that's a very, very different book. It's very research to practice, research to practice. What does it look like? So it's very big picture kind of pushing with the why almost philosophical, but then down to like, what does it look like? I wanted this one to be much more story and narrative where Mm. that one's much more like leadership, district leadership kind of oriented. This one, I wanted to write something that would be just as relevant. For a first year kindergarten teacher and a 35 year veteran physics teacher or a principal or even a superintendent. And so it really gets to the heart of why we do what we do, and that's loving and caring about kids. But creating this framework around relationships being at that core, understanding culture and helping people understand like how do you impact the culture every day? Sometimes yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, when we think about culture. Sometimes you'll see 50 people pointing the finger at one person. Maybe it's the principal saying, well, you know, if that person would just leave, this would be a perfect place. And it's, and it's funny because on one hand, toxic leadership is an absolute real thing. I'm not going to demean it at all, but what if those 50 people did everything they could every day to make it the greatest place to work? You know, it's easy to point the finger. It's really hard to look at ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so helping people be reflective, um, but moving from relationships and culture to ultimately um, one of the things that I talked about, and like we were talking about this a little bit earlier, is around, for instance, the hidden stories within, you know, for me, it's real personal. My dog. And I, I share it even at nine years old. I asked her permission to be able to share it. But part of her story, she was born with incredible food allergies. Mm. She um, has been hospitalized three times for less than one seed of sesame. So um, first time we didn't know she was had an allergy it was she was 10 um, months old at the time. She accidentally ingested hummus. And oh, within wow. a minute and a that... half, she was unrecognizable. She couldn't breathe. And we almost lost her that wow. day because we, did, we didn't have any EpiPens. We no. were just no. young parents, first child, didn't know. And so, you know, over time, we've been so protective. So my kind of daddy bear comes out there. The reason I share that is part of, I share part of her story. Um, My wife found this thing called OIT. It's oral immunotherapy. Um, It's this new innovative treatment for food allergies. And I share how, you know, she missed 35 days of school. She was late 20 times Mm. in 15 months. And if we just look at the data, a lot of times we'll look at data for kids. We make all these judgments. And so a lot of times what I'll do with educators now talking about the book is I'll, I'll put the data on the screen. They have no idea. It's my daughter and I'll put it on there. And what judgments do we make? And we hear like parents, Parents don't care. Kid is lazy. Maybe they're pregnant. Maybe they're taken care of. And then I flip the next sentence. All right that's my daughter. Let's talk yeah, about it. And, yeah. and the room goes quiet and it's like, so now you want to know what you want to know why. Yeah. And what if I told you in every one of those 35 absences, she was in a doctor's office two hours from home. What if I told you in almost every one of those tardies, like she was in a doctor's office, got back to school by one o'clock. And so I make this analogies of the hidden stories within. Mm-hmm. So I use my daughter's example of, you know, here we are 15 months later after all those therapies, she now eats 2000 seeds of sesame every single day to keep her safe. Wow. So it's, it's amazing new, new piece to it. And she's had some other allergies and whatnot, but I recently. I share that is when she would get back to school after being in therapy in the morning, she'd get there about one o'clock and they'd be in math and she couldn't just drop that whole morning of being in therapy and be like, all right, I'm ready for division because she's a kid. And Mm -hmm. you know, and she's got a lot on her mind and there's days she'd be like, daddy, I just wish I was a normal kid. Like I didn't want, you know, and then I couldn't thank enough her second grade teacher and her third grade teacher who didn't just hand her five worksheets and say, here's what you missed this morning, who didn't just say, now you got to do this tonight. They just loved her and they just cared on her and just saw her who she was. And so, you know, when it got it back, it was kind of like, don't worry about it. I got gotcha. you. You know, and then they'd sit side by side and help her. And so it shows there the impact of a teacher. And yeah. I, I get emotional talking about Love it because it. it's my daughter. You yeah, know, of it's a little girl. Of course. But then I make the analogy, too, because I get it, it's not just people don't want to just read about Tom's life. I understand that, you know, and if nobody would want to read that book. I get that. <laughs> but. My, it's an example of every child that walks into our classrooms has a story every child yeah. that walks into our classroom has things on their heart sometimes they're really good things but sometimes they're not and do yeah. we choose to see the hidden stories in other people or do we just see it inside of ourselves wow. and the other thing there is is the same thing with our staff you know when I was a principal did I have the empathy for staff you know the staff member that's going through a divorce the staff member who's you know whose spouse is struggling with cancer the staff member and then we expect them to drop everything at the front door and be this perfect person for kids mm-hmm. but you've got to respect and understand like people are human and things mm-hmm. happen and so it's it's understanding and having empathy mm-hmm. and I one of the things that I wrote in the book cuz I really believe the difference between making a judgment and having empathy is understanding the story. And so how do we help people's how do we help understand people's stories? And I'm not talking about every day being like this drama dump and like a reality TV show. Yeah. But what I'm talking about is seeing people first. And so, you know, when kids walk through our hallways, do we see data points and test scores or do we see the hearts of children? Mm-hmm. You know, and so as as we think through those pieces we then created did a lot of research on like what does personal authentic really look like like what how do people do that and it's where I created things around social emotional learning such as cultural relevance or interests and passions and strengths or mm-hmm. you know authentic feedback and just kind of all the ways I could think of. Mm-hmm. I will tell you though I add some co-authors for different sessions sections because it was just the right thing to do for sure. instance, when I talk about something like cultural relevance, I recognize. I'm a white male that came from middle-class America Mm. whose family took him on vacation a week, every year. I never worried about my next meal. Mm -hmm. I went to a school district was great. I had had great teachers growing up. I fully recognize that privilege in that regard and I recognize many, many people do not have that and did not have that. So I reached out to Rosa Perez Isaiah. She's an incredible, incredible educator in California. Her life experience is very, very different than mine. Mm -hmm. And so she wrote that section where I wrote basically the first, the first paragraph and said, you know, Hey, as a white male, I have one lens. Let me give you some data that's out there, Mm -hmm. but I can't talk about cultural relevance without amplifying the voices of people that get it far more than I do. And so I think it's recognizing my own lens in that sense Mm -hmm. and just saying, look, there's other people's voices. Um, Ken Shelton, who's here at FETC. uh, Ken's a great friend of mine. Ken Ken does just amazing work around equity and equity barriers. And in one of the chapters around technology and learning spaces and other things we talk about and address equity. But again, I could not author that section on my own having not lived some of the things that I would want to talk about Mm -hmm. and Ken has and so Ken co-authored that section with me because his lens is different than mine Mm -hmm. and so with that it was really important to amplify the voices of other people so Mm -hmm. I guess the last thing that I'll say is throughout the book I really wanted it to be very practical so if I'm that second grade teacher what's something I could do tomorrow in the classroom and so basically at the end of every section or section are these try this it's kind of these bulleted points of like all right, if I was your principal giving you some recommendations here's some things that I could think of of. But throughout the book, there's over 50 voices amplified diverse voices, principals, wow. teachers. That's amazing. Um, that awesome. are two and three sentence tidbits of like, sure. try this. If you're doing something with spaces, try that. And yeah. so there's a lot of voices that are amplified throughout because to me, that's, that's, so important. Mm -hmm. And if I'm going to talk about being personal and authentic, it can't just be Tom's voice. And so I want people leaving encouraged and inspired, ready to run through walls for kids. But I also want them to help overcome adversity and talking about, when I talk about things like failing forward and and legacy and those kinds of things, it's helping people understand um, the work is insanely hard, but our kids are
2: absolutely worth it. Yeah. Oh, God. What a a difference a good compassionate caring teacher makes like your story is unbelievable. And I think back to my time in the classroom and, and I, we were, we just um, were talking with Desiree Alexander a few minutes ago and we were, I was sharing the same story and I've, I've been reflecting on my time in the classroom a lot since I've been out of it the last couple of years. And I, I think you need kind of be outside of it a little bit to think back and, and, um, man, I missed so many things. Because I wasn't looking through them with the same, the right lens. The lens that you're talking about and that Desiree's talking about is um, the difference is everything. You, you never know what kids are going through. Yep. And, and I think,
1: and, and more and more, we're just seeing the, 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 trauma that our kids have. And that's why the trauma informed has really had such a push in the last yeah. number of years as it should be, Yeah, you know, and I think a lot of things just on a real serious note, a lot of the, the school shootings that we've had in the United States and those complete tragedies have forced things on the radar. Mm, I think yeah. great schools have always focused on the notion of that whole child idea, the social emotional side of things. You know, one of the things I wrote in the books, I really believe like the moment we care more about what we teach than who we teach we've totally lost the purpose in the work. Mm-hmm. And so when we think about that, it's, it's seeing kids hearts and not just their minds. And you know, you could be the greatest person when it comes to standards and content and be able to recite things from memorization frontward and backward but that doesn't make you remotely a good teacher. Uh, so, and so it's so how do true. you see, and, and not to say that, that the standards and content are not important, of course they are. But if you know all the standards and the content, but you don't like kids, like I don't want you around my kid no. in the classroom. Right. No. You know, I'd rather have that person that cares that, that can model that failing forward, that can model that growth. And of course you have to have competent understandings of it. Of course that goes without saying. But at the end of the day, you know, do we see, what do we see when we look in front of us? And I think one of the things I shared in that opening chapter around relationships, I share a handful of tragedies that occurred during my very first year that my superintendents say, you know, you've been through more in this in this first year than many people go through in a career, mm. and I will tell you, it really impacts my lens and how I saw the world, and, and really our purpose of our work. But one of the things I wrote there is that you know I had to really change my lens from what I taught to who I taught yes. to really see the, the the real work come into focus. Mm.
2: So where can, um, if people want to reach out to you, connect sure. with you, learn more about you, uh, learn more about Future Ready, share share all that. Where can people buy the book, all of that? All sure. that good. So so, share that. Uh, out. So
1: Future Ready, I encourage you to check out futureready.org. If you want to go to futureready.org slash connect, it'll actually just ask kind of who you are, why, why do you want the information? It links to a, a document that has uh, all of our resources on one Great. page, so you can link right off of that. I encourage you to check it out. Again, bipartisan nonprofit here in the US, but uh, if you're international or Canada or you know, um, anywhere in the world, you're welcome to use it. It's just there to really help kids at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Um, Personally, you can check out the website at Thomas C. Murray. I'm real proud to have just opened up a store around Personal and Authentic. And when I say that, I want to instantly follow it up with 100% of the donations are going to food allergy research treatments and awareness. So it's a real personal way to say, here's a platform that I want to leverage to bring awareness to something my baby girl struggles with every day. So as a daddy, I can
0: support her first and foremost.
2: Powerful. Tom Murray, thanks so much for joining us. This has been awesome. Thanks for having me, guys.
0: Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Glenn Irvin. My co-host is Mike Washburn. On Education is part of the On Podcast Media Network. You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Monica Burns, Mike Matera, Tisha Richmond, and many more by visiting onpodcastmedia.com. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at OnEducationPod. Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter. And I can be found on Twitter at Irv Spanish. You can find us on Facebook by visiting Facebook.com OnEducationPod. We're also on Instagram at OnEducationPod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Classcraft, for supporting us. Check out classcraft.com slash oneducation to learn more about them. Thanks as always for listening. Stay awesome and see you soon.